right, I am Pastor Jason, and I'm so glad to welcome you all to worship this morning that we get to gather in the name of Jesus and let the Spirit just fill us where we are empty and even just connect us and light us on fire online. So today's a good day, and we are together in the name of the Lord. Um, I have to celebrate this, so we are continually um, making this place a good place for worship and we added some lights so that if you are in person and you um, have an old school Bible, uh, they do still make them. Um, and I actually, it's so rich to have the Bible in front of you. But it, it, you, can, you can actually probably read it now. Um, now, I've got lights shining on me that are kind of like um, going home, like the eternal going home. And so for the last like half year, I have not been able to see you. Uh, I'm still being blinded, but I can see you a little bit, and, and that matters to me. And I didn't realize how much it does until now. Um, I can't see if you're sleeping or not, but I can see your face, and I love that. Um, it's harder for me to see you online. And so if there is ever a chance that we can connect on a different day you know, via email or, or anything, that's so important uh, to me, and it's important to our staff and to all of you. Um, you, you, I think you'll find. So, um, yes, what a good Sunday. Hey, so I want to remind you of something that you, uh, I, hopefully you're not sitting on your Jolly Rancher because I do think it could melt into your uh, pants. <laughs> but we put some Jolly Ranchers and, um, and a little note. It's an orange one like this because um, it is just really important as a community that you know that um, God is leading Horizons through what I would say kind of a challenging staffing season right now in that um, we're seeking a worship leader still to, um, to take full-time lead of that ministry. Also a youth leader uh, to take full-time of that ministry again. And also a, uh, a nursery coordinator uh, to fill that time in, this, in, in that place of ministry. And we need your help. Um, as the card says, we're looking for jolly workers and sweet worship leaders. Um, every pun and terrible dad joke intended. Um, and so there's a way that you can just like let people know. You, you know people we don't know. And God may be leading you in that connection. So please help us. And please, most importantly, pray for that. Um, because that, those, these ministries are so vital and important to Horizons. Also, I do want you to just take note that because next Sunday is Labor Day Sunday, we are online only. So please stay in your pajamas or stay in your swimsuit if you're out at the lake and join us in worship online. We're going to be telling life change stories from, from actual people who have experienced life change here at Horizons. And you get to see why this matters in, in, in that like bigger picture way that just blows our minds and makes us cry a lot. And um, So uh, make sure, um, if you know anyone who didn't catch the memo, tell them don't come to the building. That's the weirdest thing you'll ever say, but um, don't come to the building next Sunday. Join us online. Join us online. All right, so um, while I was on renewal leave, I just, I was on a leave for three months, and that was foremost like a, just a really spiritual regeneration for me. So I did a lot of work, a lot of reading, a lot of praying, and a lot of listening. And I uh, had a chance to just be with my family for a little bit and heal in those ways, just kind of rest. And that was so important for the longevity of, of pastoral ministry. And 
pastors need that from time to time. And um, so on Mother's Day, I had decided to take Sarah and my kids out to Panera to just celebrate and say, you know, like, we just really appreciate you. And we were there. And um, towards the end of, of our time to leave, Samuel, um, this is, you know, this is like, May and COVID, you know, well, we're back to that, but we were there still. And Samuel, my son, who's four and a half, um, diverts from the exit, as he usually does, um, and suddenly he's over at this other table, and we're always like, oh God, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? You know, and like before we can stop him or say anything, he climbs up into this booth, and there's a woman sitting there that he does not know, and to my recollection, does not look like anyone that we really do know, because, you know, sometimes he makes that mistake. And he just climbs up in that booth, and he gives this woman this incredibly big hug. And I'm like, oh, oh like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. Like, as soon as I can, we'll get the jaws of life and pry him from you. <laughs> you know, like, um, like that's just kind of his M.O. And, um, and the next thing I know, um, this woman is breaking into um, just silent tears. And she just says, you have no idea how much I needed that this morning. Now, this morning, my son and my daughter were about to end each other's lives (laughs) because of a fight over a fan we were using to dry some upholstery we'd cleaned. There's a lot to work on with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And it, like, exhausts us entirely. And my goodness, like, oh, we, we really get worn out sometimes. But when I see my son giving to someone else that I had no idea he could sense that, but must have known she needed that, I'm like, there's hope. There's hope. <laughs> like, maybe we can do this and stay as a family. So all of that ties into today's message. We are in our final Sunday of our series, Made for That. And this has been a really extraordinary series because we've, we've let the Spirit lead us in understanding what the, the, or made for this, sorry, I don't even know the name, uh, made for this and understanding what the this is. And really the this is that we have been made for is ultimately your personal relationship with Jesus. You've been made for it. It is the most important thing in your, in your life, in your existence, the most important thing that you can get right in your world, in, in your lifetime. And I know that might take some convincing, as it might, you know, some days take convincing for me as well. But it is, I am, I am convinced that it is the most important thing in this lifetime that we have. Because, here's the cool thing, from that most important thing comes everything that we need. Jesus is our all for all. And also, from that relationship with Jesus comes everything everyone else needs. As Jesus invites us to follow him and let his spirit fill us to fill others. So it's this incredible thing, and it, and, and, it, and it really matters. And so the other part of this series, then, is then seeing how we've been called to the most important thing, and that's what we've been made for, and then seeing how God actually gave the church to us as a gift. 
He didn't call us to it as an obligation, but gave it to us as a gift to really aid in that process of growing in that most important thing, our personal relationship with Jesus. And so we've been through this series looking at that and then looking at the church and how it's truly built to do that, how God designed every part of it to groom and to really um, cultivate that, that relationship, and then the purpose that comes out of it, our divine purpose, our discipleship call. Because each of us, we're called to be modern-day disciples. And so for us, what we see is that Horizons, what God has designed, simply put, is to connect with Him in, through, through what He's offering in church, to grow with Him and others, with what's being offered at church, to serve and to give, which is where we land today at giving. So our final word that we dig into is again from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. We've been returning to this one set of scriptures for our entire marching orders, really, in this understanding of this that we have been made for. Because Peter is speaking in a time where there's a lot of persecution for the church. It's been scattered around the Roman Empire, and Peter does this miraculous thing of not getting, not getting caught up in the weeds, not getting swept over by the despair or the frustration or the persecution, but continuing to keep the main thing the main thing, and encouraging the people of Christ to, by saying, keep your eyes focused, focus on this one thing, and everything else is going to be okay. He doesn't try to answer or explain everything. He just says, just, just be Christ in the world, and you'll make it. And so um, we land this morning then in the middle of this verse that we've been looking at in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. While Peter simply says, um, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So ultimately, Peter is saying in the midst of this, this is what our relationship is built on and how it grows. This is how our divine purpose, our discipleship call, really starts to take focus and shape. When we are in an activity of each of us using the gifts that God has given us. Remember, everything good has come from God. He's given it as free gifts to us without cost or charge or repayment. Okay, And he's, we've received it to serve others, to give what we've received, to give to others. It's, a, it's the faithful way, it's a trusting way to respond and be a good steward of what God has given us in form of that grace in all of its different ways that it looks. So ultimately, it's about a heart of giving. Now what we kind of boiled down from this is then in our most important relationship, in our discipleship call, we are to generously give generously. Right there. Generously give generously, which um, I use generously twice. Um, it's not a typo actually, um, because um, it, it then speaks to time and quantity. To say generously is probably to say we are to give in all of those ways, you know, different ways we think financially immediately, but what I'm talking about the outpouring of our hearts, um, to give probably more often than we think we, we think we should, or maybe even more than we think we can handle. And when we give, to give generously in terms of more 
of a gift than probably is appropriate or maybe that we think we can get by with giving. So it's challenging, but it's beautiful. So that's where we're at right now. And um, I want to remind you that giving is ultimately essential to everything that we desire and hoping and are hoping for in the world. See, the first thing that we know about giving is this. That giving, um, it's impossible. And let's, let's get this fill in the blank slide in here. That it is actually impossible to have a full relationship with God apart from a practice of giving, apart from a heart of giving. Now that might seem really extreme to you. It might make you a little uncomfortable. Um, it has made me uncomfortable in seasons in my life as well. But, um, but I want you to just kind of put these things together as John puts them together in his first letter uh, to the believers. And this is what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. He says, So whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, these are his words, not necessarily how I would word it. I'd probably be a little more tactful. Um, For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Now, you're probably thinking along with me, well, you just said love, but we're talking, you know, giving. So that helps us see that giving is actually the greatest, one of the greatest forms of love. We talked about serving also being an extraordinary form of love. And, um, and, what, and this takes love to a deeper, a deeper place, doesn't it? Because we sometimes say, you know, all, it's all about just loving your neighbor. Well, that's great, but what to love your neighbor means that you will serve them, even if your neighbor's your enemy, and that you will also give to them, even if you feel like you can't afford to or they don't deserve it. Whew. But it's impossible to have a full relationship with God without a giving heart. Because John is saying, hey, if you don't love your brother and sister, then you know, it's impossible to love God, who you don't see as, as apparently as your brother and sister around you. The second thing that makes giving really essential is that, and we've got another fill in the blank here for you just in case, is that give, gifts given are the primary fuel for good in the world. Now you think about it, when, um, when you're at a hospital, or you're at a, a university, or a college, or you're um, in a you know, state park, or a place of recreation, if you're at a church, um, you know, these p- sorts of places, and you're appreciating the good things they have to offer, or the clean environment, or these, these awesome in places for your family to be, or just, you know, a place that brings you peace, or really has an impact in your life, what you have to realize is that the thing that you are at present appreciating and benefiting from is most likely made in part by generous gifts. They're made in part by generous gifts. See, giving fuels our world for good, and without that, there is so much that would be stripped away. I mean, especially in the church where 100% of what is good and what you benefit from are the gifts of yours and others. So it's absolutely essential in our world. But you and I both know, and I'm speaking because I, I know this, uh, giving is, it's not easy, is it? 
it can be really hard sometimes. All we need to do is watch our children for about 30 seconds, I was going to say minutes, um, <laughs> uh, to know that giving and sharing is hard because um, it, it's, been, it's a challenge from the day we are born. Um, you know, if you have young children or if you can um, remember or dig those memories out of the deep recesses of your, like, stowed away, uh, try not to think about too many times, uh, brain and memories, um, like, going to the park where there's, like, toys for children to play with is really embarrassing sometimes, isn't it? Like, you know, like, you know, I'm bringing my kids to the park and, you know, there's some toys or some other kid brought a ball and my kid just walks up and is like, mine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this other parent thinking? Ah, I have selfish children. They don't know how to share. They just take from people. Oh, you know, like it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, and we're all like trying to fix it. So no one, you know, thinks our children are mean or that we're bad parents. Uh, and then it's exhausting at home, right? You know, like one kid has something and the other kid didn't care about it until he can't have it. And then like, there you go. There's blood. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, we just, we just did this, and like we're running out of room, and the special bin on top of the refrigerator where we put all the toys that you can't handle right now, <laughs> you know, um, it's exhausting. And, you know, and then sometimes we're like, okay, well, I'm going to buy two of these, and they're exact same color, shape, feel, everything, so you all don't have to worry about giving or sharing right now. Just play with your own. And, and, and then you know what happens? They still get bored with what they have. And they move from being selfish to taking. It's hard. You know what, though? Like, I'm talking about children. And we're children of God. And I wonder if that's actually how God experiences us as adults still. So we're we're adults and we're actually really, we're better at uh, masking some of those things. Or kind of, you know, covertly not being good at sharing or giving. Um, But God still sees us, and I wonder if he's like, oh, my children, oh, goodness, oh, goodness, they've got some growth to do yet, you know? Like, um, so giving's hard. Why? Why is giving and sharing so hard? Whether you are in fourth grade, whether you are a four-year-old, whether you're in high school, I know we've got some incredible high schoolers and fusion students with us this morning, Um, whatever phase of life that you're in, why is it hard? Well, the first and most apparent reason, and there's two others that you probably are like, I never would have said that in my entire life, Pastor. Like, you're going to have to help me out with that. The first reason I think a lot of us can relate with is that giving feels like losing. Right? Like, I have this much. If I give this much, then I only have this much left. And from that simple equation, that doesn't feel right or good. Giving feels like losing. Now, the other two reasons, which we're going to unpack in just a moment, are that um, giving is hard because we don't feel or we doubt sometimes that the gospel will actually satisfy us. And the third reason we often don't give is because we sometimes doubt that the gospel is actually strong enough to come through. 
Which is why Jesus provides this incredible parable of the mustard seed. You've all heard this. If you've been in Sunday school here, or DZ, or somewhere else, you, know, you probably held a mustard seed. You probably took it home in an envelope and lost it because um, it's so tiny. This is what Jesus is talking about. So we're going to dive into Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Um, you should be able to read your Bibles, find it on your phone, version. Horizons is rocking that. Um, this is what Jesus teaches in this incredible parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. Boom, it is so awesome. So here's the first thing. When we say uh, giving feels like losing, um, what we understand is like from a human experience, giving will feel like losing, but from a kingdom-oriented perspective, giving becomes something incredible. So let's look at this next uh, fill-in-the-blank here. Ultimately, when we give, giving results in fueling and creating good for the kingdom. And Jesus tells this parable for that purpose, for us to understand that even just one seed, when we put it in the ground, like, we will have one less seed, but look what happens. You see, giving increases in the kingdom of God, and good things happen. And there's this whole kingdom of birds, I mean, looking at the mustard seed, and then, like, this place for satisfying people's needs beyond ourselves. Now, then the others, Jesus tells this parable when we face doubt or um, our faith is challenged in the light of the gospel, Jesus is also presenting it in this way. So first of all, when I say that sometimes we, str- we struggle to give because it feels like the gospel might not satisfy us, what I mean is that when we compare the gospel to our toys, our treasures, our trips, our clothing, our entertainment, and all the other things that we love, our human hearts have a hard time stacking up the gospel that Jesus is enough and he died for everything. We stack that here and then we stack all those other things in from our human hearts. It's difficult to see how if we start giving and don't get as much of this, our toys, treasures, trips, clothing, entertainment, food, all those things, and get less of that, it's hard for us to trust that this is going to be enough, that the gospel is actually going to satisfy us. And we're secretly worried that we'll just be left with the gospel and feel deflated. And then when I say that we're worried that it might not come through, or there are seasons in our lives where if we give too much, that, that we're worried that God actually won't provide. Because if we depend in the world on all these other lifelines to support us and to help us feel safe and secure and planned for the future, and then start cutting into that, we're worried, or sometimes we doubt, that the gospel will actually show up in the ways we need it, when we need it. But Paul testifies to this in chapter 4, that Jesus is enough, that, that you, all of your needs will be met in Jesus Christ. God who provides in his riches. It's all there. To the point that when Jesus tells this parable, he is 
on purpose, intentionally using the tiniest of mustard seeds. So that we get the understanding that sometimes in our human hearts, the power of the gospel, the foundation of the entire universe, looks awfully minuscule, meek, mild, wishful, looks tiny. And from that one little seed, it may actually seem impossible for it to be enough and for it to provide when we need it. And yet Jesus says, oh, come on, baby, you put this thing in the ground and watch what God will do with what seems so incredibly small. So Jesus is telling us to help us begin to trust in him because ultimately he is enough. The gospel is enough. This is from like early, early, early century. Uh, This is from one of our church fathers, like a doctor of church is kind of what he's called, but it's it's St. Jerome. And look what he says in terms of the gospel and its seeming smallness. See, this is the beauty. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God and the gospel, is that the gospel is shallow enough for babes to wade in and never drown, and yet deep enough for scholars to swim in and never touch the bottom. Because it's alive, and it's more dynamic than we can possibly fathom. More specifically to this parable that Jesus teaches, a contemporary scholar, Frederick Bruner, says these things to help us gain even more clarity. For while the mustard seed is characteristically small, it is a seed nonetheless and has the disposition to grow. Jesus' story, which is the gospel, And Jesus' ethic, which is the gospel commands to love God, love neighbor, are indeed alive with power in enough people in the world to be, in fact, trees of shelter and loaves of food for the entire world. Put in that perspective, we begin to understand from day zero through eternity The gospel truly is enough, and there is an opportunity for us to taste and see that it's enough as we step in and begin trusting and seeing and seeing how it comes all around us and all around us from this to filling this entire room. Did you know that a mustard plant could fill this entire worship center from one seed? That blows my mind. So here it is for us today. This is an opportunity for us to understand that giving is not about money. To understand that giving is not about losing, but giving instead is about tasting the power of the gospel. That if you're honest, we all have been in a place in our lives where we have wondered, is it enough? Or perhaps in a season concluded that it, we don't think it is. It's a taste for us to, a, a chance for us to taste the gospel. It's also a chance for us to grow incredibly in our faith as we submit and surrender and say, Lord, I'm going to trust that you are enough, that you will show up, and then let him tell us his story of faithfulness. That's why at Horizons, we invite you into a giving relationship, giving of your time, your talents, what you're good at, what you love, and your treasures. Yes, because our treasures are where our hearts are, and God wants you to give of your heart. It's that simple, and it is, it is truly that beautiful.
So we're inviting you to give in the ways of a kingdom mindset. So as we move into communion today, I want to conclude on just these three things uh, that you can take home with you as we focus on the power of generosity. One, giving doesn't cause loss. It brings us and others to life. Two, giving reveals the unassuming power, sufficiency, and reliability of the gospel and Jesus who has given it to us. And three, giving sets us free by loosening our grip and setting our faith, our trust, in motion. It's so good. So if you are at home and you have not yet um, rounded up your bread, your juice, I invite you to do that now. You've got a couple of minutes. I want you to know in person that we will talk and bless the elements And then after that, after we say the Lord's Prayer together, then we together will eat and drink. So um, so if you can, I know it looks really tempting, but just hold off until after we pray. You see, Jesus demonstrated the power of giving. In him giving his whole self to us. That on that night, he gathered his disciples as we're gathered here this morning the bread, the wine from which they were all to eat and drink, he lifted it up, gave thanks for it, and then told his disciples to take it, telling them that his body would be broken and pierced, but that it wasn't just sorrow and it wasn't at all loss, that for him he knew that it was life, and that just like a mustard seed being put in the ground, that if it could die and come to life, that it would serve for all of humanity, for all of eternity. And that when he would pour out his blood and let it spill to the ground without trying to catch it back up or, or, or resist, that it wouldn't be lost, but instead it would be life as it swept over us, that it covered over not only every sin, but indeed every sin, but also the weights of the world that we carry on our shoulders, giving us life. That it was a worthy gift because it would accomplish this and set us free. This is that kind of gift. It's the kind of gift that we're shown and offered that we might model in turn. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, thank you for this gift. Sometimes we feel like our hearts are strangers to yours because we have not spent a lot of time with you. And yet you welcome us in and you invite us to draw near and to take of the gifts that you have freely given. So today we pray that this bread, this juice is truly for us, your body and your blood. We lift it up to you. We lift ourselves up to you as we surrender our lives and receive what you have for us. And we pray together as you have taught us to pray together by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Jesus lifted up the bread, broke it, extended it to us and said, take, eat, this is my body, do so in remembrance of me. Jesus lifted up the cup of salvation, said this is a new covenant. The old is gone, the new is here, and it supersedes everything. Take and drink of this. Let it wash over you, sweep over you, and let no one question that you have been saved, washed clean, and set free. We take, we drink, we eat, and we give our thanks.